Welcome to Talking Fußball Fantasy, your source for all things official fantasy Bundesliga with player picks as ahead of the curve as Dortmund's summer signings, fantasy advice as gobsmacking as a Reuven Hennings cup goal and pundits who are a lot smoother than Bratzo when it comes to transfer negotiations. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening one and all. My name is James Surrogate. This is Talking Fußball Fantasy Season 3, a third season. Can you believe it? It has been commissioned and fortunately... I, I'm glad to say none of the main characters have been killed off just yet. Um, while I'm gearing up for another stab at official fantasy Bundesliga glory, my co-star is no longer defending his title, but looking to reclaim it. That's right. After Maestro Arango won the title last season, Flo is no longer the reigning defending champion. Instead, he'll have to settle for the tag of fantasy Fußball got. So a return to his old nickname. But Flo, my friend, how was your summer? Have you managed to recover from the loss of your title? Well, uh, it's fueling me. It's still fueling me. Like uh, today, I took a lot of time investigating all players that are in the fantasy game. And I feel pretty prepared for everything that's coming. So I'm dangerous this season. Let's just put it that way, James. And apart from that, I, I had a good summer. But like I flew out of Germany one day after the last match day. And so like my holiday is a bit uh, already passed. <laughs> but I'm going on camping holiday for one week from Tuesday on, which is why we record that early. So it's a treat for, for everyone. And uh, we will probably look a bit stupid maybe on Thursday or Friday, depending on how many news break until then yeah you see i'm used to that flow for you it's a bit of a risk yeah but um, i'm i mean I'm, I'm looking forward and it's really nice talking to you again james we've both been busy during during the summer and um poor don't be afraid we'll still be there for you the next fantasy season yeah that's it another year it definitely felt like we needed to keep this going especially with this being the first season we're doing of talking foosball fantasy where the point system in the game hasn't changed drastically there have been a few minor tweaks here and there but in terms of a big overhaul of strategy we can finally start building on the foundations that we laid last year and work towards hopefully a successful season this time around and yeah no I'm, I'm just I'm glad to be back. I'm glad we're getting back to the real football. I don't mind that we're doing it a bit early. You know, we're recording on a Sunday night, so we've still got a couple of cup fixtures to go tomorrow as well that we could have been informed by. But let's be honest, part of the game of fantasy is kind of going with the flow and seeing what happens. And we can at least, we'd like to think, give you some good advice tonight with a week to go before the Bundesliga season gets underway. So I guess the first place you should probably start, Flo, because it's worth doing at the start of every season. And I can mention here, here talking foosball fantasy basics 101 we did way back two years ago a year ago we did 101.2 and figured it out that way so you should definitely go back and listen to those episodes especially the basics 101.2 because that really will have a lot of valuable information but let's talk about strategy going into this season flow what are you thinking because Let's go first question. How many guaranteed starters are you looking to get in your fantasy lineup? That's the big question we face every season. At least 14, uh, which means uh, every defender, midfielder and striker I want in the starting lineup of their clubs. So that's very important because the Bundesliga manager is all about flexibility and being able to react during a match day on uh, all the stuff that happens and you can't uh, you only can do that if your players are featuring in the games 
So there's an argument to make to go with one goalkeeper instead of two. Um, that's basically two strategy. I think both are viable. And at the moment, there are not that many cheap goalkeepers as in the past that might change during the seasons with injuries suspensions and that it basically happens every year but we have to be patient until that happens but all other players in my squad I want them to be as sure as I can be that they actually uh, are starting yeah that's it I mean at the start of the season with a budget of 150 million you've got to try and find some budget options that can at least keep the average price point of your side down especially when you want to get the star players in there but there is this value uh, in having players that can bring flexibility to your side like Flo mentions and I think 14 for me right now seems to be the magic number but if you can get to 15 I'd almost recommend it especially over the first couple of weeks because you can always change things up this is the beauty of having three transfers every week that you do also have the ability to chop and change quite quickly if you need to and if maybe you've picked a player that doesn't turn out to be the starter that you thought but yeah 14 is the number I'm going for I'm sacrificing a defender flow I don't know about you when it comes to the, the player that I would look at and go you know what I'm happy just to put a million on someone so I've gone for a defender mm, no it's it's always a goalkeeper for me always the goalkeeper yeah I would actually if I'm not like find a pairing that I'm very happy with I probably go with just one goalkeeper and punt the position because that will open avenues and the rest of your squad like I, I made a first try of my team weeks back and my two goalkeepers were Yannick Hoot of Paderborn and Yvonne Mvogo uh, of Leipzig um, at that time I, I was thinking that he will be the new number one for Augsburg but they signed Kubek so Mvogo is basically the a very very expensive second goalkeeper so he has to go out of my lineup and then there's no one in that price category uh, who's starting on the first match day so but would you then, I, I also went through a strategy when, with my goalkeepers of picking a guaranteed first choice and then deliberately picking a, his number two. So I had Radetschke and Erzchan for a while. I also thought about Castells and Pervan and people like that that I could pair up. If you are going to go for a very cheap goalkeeper, would you recommend maybe that strategy? Or are you looking to really save as much money as you can on both of your goalkeepers? Yeah, if I go cheap, I like, um, I'm picking Hood and another 1 million guy and I've got, I spend 5 million on my goalkeepers and I probably would be fine with it. I wouldn't actually pick the second goalkeeper of your first goalkeeper. You've got the insurance that if your first goalkeeper goes down, you don't have to spend a transfer. That's like the advantage of of doing that it, that way but on the other hand your second goalkeeper will lose value every match day and that hurts you especially like at least in the winter break when you are able to change your squad on all positions and then you at first sell every player you've got and then you see your budget and your second keeper will have lost 1.7 million if he doesn't play and that's the reason I wouldn't do that actually and do you want to know what that was exactly the reason I talked myself out of it and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I thought you'd give a great explanation of it which you did yeah so 
Thanks for fla- very flattering, James. That's what I'm here for. I'm just here to yeah. flatter you all, all episode. That's what that's my main aim as a presenter. Should we talk about and maybe flip flip the script and go completely to the opposite end of the pitch? Yeah. Because I do think this is probably a question that's plaguing a lot of people, and I like to think that because it's plaguing me. But we debated this towards the second half of last season. But the Lewandowski versus no Lewandowski strategy. Mm-hmm. Where are you falling before the start of this season when he's priced at 18 million? I'm falling on the Lewandowski. Uh, I'm, I'm picking him. I mean, he's he's a poster boy of fantasy consistency and I think he's been the best player, the best fantasy player again last season. There were stretches where like his price tag wasn't uh, really... Well, he didn't show what you expect for his price tag. But most of the time he he delivered, and at the start I'm I'm I wouldn't feel comfortable going into the season buying starting against Berlin and me not having Lewandowski because not only does he score the most goals he usually gets the most shots on goal as well, and that's almost as valuable in in the fantasy game as like scoring uh, with Lewandowski you know he he'll do both so he's in my squad and I mean he's starting three million more expensive than I think the second most expensive striker yeah you're correct about that yeah you're correct about that team Timo Werner Torgen Hazard yeah and I think there may be one more at 15 million yeah no the t- these two at 15 and then Kevin Volland at, at 14 million yeah there you go so yeah I'm uh, I'm pro Lewandowski, at least in a fantasy sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very important to to make that distinction. Now, I mean, I to be honest, I'm still on the fence even now. I've had versions of my team that have had him in. I've had versions of my team that have excluded him. And I've kind of seen what I could do with the extra cash. And I'm still on the fence. I'm still undecided. And I don't think I'm really going to make a decision until Friday night. It's just one of those tricky ones because I look at the extra cash that you could use and maybe have more flexibility across your squad with better quality players that are guaranteed starters instead of maybe having to make a sacrifice here and there where you're going, you know what, I know they're going to start, but I don't believe they're necessarily going to be good fantasy players. But because I've got Lewandowski in my squad, I don't have as much cash. So I've got to go for them. I'll, I'll name some examples later on in the show that kind of prove the point I'm trying to make there quite well. And I should maybe allude also to the listeners about what we're actually going to be doing this episode. We've talked now a little bit about pre-season strategy. We'll be breaking down match day one, fixture by fixture, and kind of talking about both teams, how they're shaping up for the current campaign in a fantasy sense, and who's really caught our eye maybe in pre-season and with the fixture lists that are coming up. But we're also going to be looking at a couple of top three categories categories which will later be the three low budget options our top three one player per position uh, and we'll be doing that then for hidden gems and must-haves as well so you've got that to look forward to but we should we jump into the fixture list flow yeah let's go ahead because we do have a fair bit to get through and so we will start of course with the friday night fixture as always which as flow just mentioned is Bayern against Hertha berlin where are you on other Bayern star players we've mentioned Lewandowski flow but the Bayern are a bit thin on the ground in their squad which isn't great for them, but in a fantasy sense, it makes our lives a lot easier because rotation shouldn't be as big a factor, right? Yeah, it sure looks like it. And Levy and Kimmich uh, are definitely two options that will probably be in my squad. And then if I look at the midfield, there's a bit of uncertainty right now. We, what's with Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman and Gnabry both 
at 15 million, which is a, like at the start of the season, you can't get every superstar in your squad and also have 14 players that actually play. That's tough to do. So I think I'm, I'm actually, I'm passing on Nabri and Coman probably on the start of the season. And the only midfielder I would look at would be Leon Goretzka if he's in the starting 11. That's 13 million. And these 2 million, you get the discount of Coman and Nabri. Both of them uh, are very injury prone with Nabri. We're not even sure if he's ready to play, I think. Um, he might but he might not also. So like the one thing that could happen that for some reason Alfonso Davis is starting for Bayern because they got some in injury troubles on the wing. And then like it's go time for six million. He, he would be definitely an insta buy for me if, if Davis would be in the starting 11 for Bayern. But that's something we know before the transfer window closes for the first time from the next fantasy season. So that definitely keep an eye on. Also, Corentin Tulisso might be interesting for 10 million if he's in a starting 11. That's something we, like at the moment, we don't actually know, but could happen. But Lewandowski and Kimmich both are a lock for me. Yeah, I think that's kind of exactly how I'm looking at buying. Everyone else is a bit of a question mark. I did also consider Alaba for a bit, you know, three million less than Kimmich. And I debated whether saving the three million was worth it to have a player that will likely score, you know, less points ultimately. But Alaba does have the propensity to get forward exactly the way Kimmich does. He also takes free kicks every now and again. So I think he tends to get more shots on goal. But Kimmich definitely has the, the edge on him when it comes to assists and setting up shots on goal. And both both are key attributes. And that's really, yeah, three million difference. It, it intrigued me as a potential, but I think Kimmich is just too good to pass up on. I agree. And then, yeah, I mean, when it comes to their midfield, I couldn't agree more. I did think about Thiago for a while because I thought he was almost the guy that was going to be the guaranteed starter in 95% of fixtures if he can stay fit in midfield, whereas the others were a bit up in the air. But I think with Bayern, especially in their midfield, I'm almost waiting to see where the cards fall when it comes to the end of the real transfer window as to whether they've made any more moves that may give us a better hint of where we can invest in midfield. Um, of course, if you know if Leroy Sane had come, and it was a big if, but had he come, he would have jumped to the top of my shopping list quite quickly I think in that respect but the other thing I look at Bayern and I go there are for me there are teams with better fixture lists at the start of the season I know it's not particularly tricky they're not facing uh, any of the, the the top four outside of Leipzig uh, which is an away game admittedly and the other games are, are tricky but they should get through quite comfortably I just think other pe other teams have better fixture lists well I mean they're starting at home against Berlin on a Friday night then they're traveling to Schalke then it's Mainz then okay fourth match day at Leipzig that's a tough one and then they're hosting Cologne but I think it's it's all right I mean fixture list there just a few fixtures I wouldn't feel comfortable starting my Bayern players and so we're not sure even how, how strong Leipzig will be uh, with Nagelsmann probably strong but we have to see it first like in the cup they were, weren't very convincing so they had trouble getting past Osnabrück in the first round so who knows 
what's going to happen. No, I mean, yeah, okay, it's absolutely fair. And Bayern, m- most of the time, are impervious to a fixture list. Uh, should we talk about their opponents then? Because Hertha are less impervious to a fixture list. And starting the season against Bayern isn't exactly the best thing for a team that, let's be honest, in terms of the price point of their players, actually have some attractive options in the fantasy world. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, there are two players who will be on the shortcut for my team if they weren't playing at Munich, and that's Maxi Mittelstedt for 7 million defender. Uh, He's got the edge on Plattenhardt right now. Uh, quite uh, comfortable uh, I think he's actually playing uh, sometimes basically as a left winger depending on which system Kovic uh, goes with and the second one is Vladimir Derrida midfielder for 7 million big surprise of the preseason uh, also like had the luck if you want to phrase it that way that uh, Leuven and Arne Meyer went down for stretches and he took his chance and he's now in the starting 11, scored a goal in the cup. Vladimir Derrida for 7 million. Definitely have my eye on, on him. But then that's like a transfer I would do for the second match day, not for the first. Yeah. Any player you want to add, James? No, to be honest, I mean, Marco Gurich comes to mind uh, just based on the fact that we know how good he is can be in a fantasy sense and really it'll be interesting to see whether he's used in a similar role as he was under Dardai this season and the only thing that puts me off is his price tag I think weirdly enough if he had been 10 million or less I probably would have been a lot more attracted to him but at 11 million I almost think it's a bit too much of a gamble especially with an opening fixture against Bayern and so with Herter I think I'm a they're a team I'm intrigued by. The other player that kind of has the same problem for me as Gruich is uh, Luca Bacchio. He also has the added bonus of we don't really know where he's fitting in. He joined them quite late in the summer transfer window and whether he's going to be a regular starter or not is actually still up in the air. But you'd like to think long term, it can't be a Bicevic can Kalu for 34 match days. And so Luca Bacchio could become interesting. But again, these are, with Hertha, these are all kind of long term considerations as opposed to me really being serious about anyone in the short term but I do like actually Dorita was one I hadn't thought of and you're right for 7 million after a good preseason is well worth keeping on your radar let's talk about Bayern's big title challenge yeah Yeah, shall we move on to that one just skip ahead in the the list (laughs) well come on like how are you feeling about Bremen's title chances yeah (laughs) 50-50 50-50 yes it's it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen so (laughs) So he's like yes or no <laughs> it's, it's black or and white there is no grey area if my is correct then it's 50-50 uh, that's actually a very uh, a very sound explanation uh, for that but uh, yeah okay, okay I was of course talking about Borussia Dortmund but they are a team that actually a lot of people are backing to win the title after coming so close but so far last season they've got an opening game against Augsburg we've talked about Bayern's assets but Dortmund's assets are just as important this season. Who's top of your shopping list when it comes to BFRB flow? The problem with, with Dortmund is they've got Royce and Sancho. Both are 16 million. And you probably have to go with one or the other, which is a tough choice for me, actually. I, I love both players. Uh, I think both have great fantasy value, but I don't want to double up probably on them because that would probably mean I wouldn't 
get a player we talk later on on, uh, on, the, on the Leverkusen side. Paco Alcázar, I think, is very intriguing for... F I mean, he's pricey with 14 million, but I think he can actually give Lewandowski a run for his money um, for the goal scorer uh, crown. If he stays fit. Yeah, that's the if... But he had like he was fit in preseason, and you saw that in in the Super Cup. And he actually, if you broke down his stats per minutes played, he would be a great fantasy player because he was involved in very many shots. It was just like he never played for 90 minutes basically last season. So if that changes, Paco Alcasa could be an outstanding fantasy option. If we look at the defense, Nico Scholz is catching my eye left back 12 million likes to go forward and like he used to be a midfielder in the game now he's a defender and that's like instantly makes him very interesting and intriguing for me so that like these are the the four players i would look at in the dortmund squad yeah Schultz becomes a lot more attractive especially when you consider the fact that guerrero has now become a midfielder in the game as well and of course he was that that hidden gem towards the this you know in the second half of last season that really came on leaps and bounds and yeah now he's been changed and so he loses value but I do like Schultz I, d I think funny enough I could tell you a story a Super Cup after the first half of the Super Cup against Bayern during half time I, I logged into the fantasy game I took Sancho out I put Royce in at full time I logged into the fantasy game I took Royce out and I put Sancho in and so much like my Lewandowski decision I feel like that one for me is going to go down to the wire as well as to a gut feeling of who I prefer of the two because I ultimately I think Flo you kind of alluded to it there either one you pick you're going to be fine with it's just whether you can deal with maybe beating yourself up on a weekly basis about the other maybe picking up more points or may, you know going back and forth the whole season But those two options are premium options and there's a reason they've been given that price point. And otherwise, I don't really think I have much to add in terms of a Dortmund sense. Although it's worth mentioning, Marvin Hitz at 4 million is likely to start on match day one. It's just right now it seems unclear as to exactly when Berkey's going to be back from his injury. And if there's any news from Lucien Favre in the press conference and stuff like that, then maybe that'll change things. But Marvin Hitz is one that, were, that is worth keeping on your radar. Dortmund's starting keeper at 4 million, which could be uh, you know a life a lifesaver in the first couple of match days, Definitely. potentially. Yeah, and, and one thing to add, uh, I actually think that uh, Dortmund will win the title. Uh, I, I, I so do I'm, as well. I'm... Uh, At least I'm I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure that Bayern won't win the title. So I, I, I'll stick my neck out. I already made a bet with a colleague of mine. I just I think you can't have like all that's going on there and then losing key players and not being able to replace them properly. And now Perisic uh, is probably going to join Bayern. I d I don't feel it. With, with Bayern, I think Dortmund has the edge. So I, I actually could see Bayern finishing third next season. I'll be honest, right now I have got by in my season predictions I've got Bayern in third yeah. you talked you made you made your joke about 50-50 with Werder Bremen I'm still only about 60-40 on Dortmund's title chances and the only hesitation there is that somehow I've you know I've wanted Bayern to be vulnerable and and stumble for so many seasons now in this seven you know seven title uh, winning streak 
and I just there's still part of me that just feels like oh they'll they'll figure it out somehow and Lewandowski will score 29 goals and he'll fire them to the you know I just there's still part of me that feels that way and that's why I'm only 60-40 but I 100% that think that Dortmund are capable of doing it and going one better because their transfer business has been so much better actually on that note before we move on to Augsburg Branton Hazard how are you feeling about them with Dortmund coming into this season flow well, they they have to find a place in the starting eleven. So far, they weren't been able to. Um, Rafael Guerrero is one of the winners of preseason, but now he's injured. That's giving probably Hazard the shot, but he's a striker in the game, plays on the left wing, and is fifteen million. And that's why he isn't on my radar. And the same goes true with Julian Brandt. I mean, I've got them. I I, I will watch them very closely. Both can be good fantasy players. I'm just not sure how it will work out with Dortmund. And at the moment, they've got so many options. And now that like Julian Weigel is playing regular football again, if you need a cheap Dortmund midfielder, 8 million is his price tag. But he isn't the greatest fantasy player, but maybe a reliable source for five to six points. I wouldn't go there personally, but I think we can bring him up because like, he's a surprise of the preseason as well. No, he's certainly, certainly worth a mention. Let's talk about Augsburg, though, before we move on to the next fixture, because they've got a really pretty tough run, actually, at the start of the season. Away games against Dortmund, Werder Bremen, and then the trip to Freiburg, which, if you listen to last season's podcast, you will know is, is always a stumbling block for sides. They've also got home games against Union Berlin and Frankfurt, which aren't exactly the easiest ties. And let's also note that they did get knocked out of the DFB Pokal in the first round bit of an upset there and they did put out a quite a strong lineup as well so that adds to the shock factor and it's only stoking the fires of people claiming that they're going to be relegation candidates where are you on Augsburg flow I can't figure it out (laughs) Um, I I can hear the pain I think the squad is actually better than in recent years but I'm not like I'm not a Martin Schmidt guy Uh, he seems to be a nice bloke but I don't actually I'm very convinced of his coaching abilities and that might be a problem because there are other teams that might not have as good players as Augsburg but had the better coach. If you if you look at this with, with Richter and now Finn Bogason who isn't even playing, well, which puzzles me how anyone could think that Niederlechner, I mean, he's working his ass off okay, a fair play to Niederlechner, but we know what Finn Bogason does. He just scores goals, but yeah. Uh, they've got Gregor- still got Gregorich, uh, Philip Max, all, all uh, of these guys are already there. They signed a good goalkeeper in my mind with uh, Kubek, but I think they might hit trouble if it, like they're not jailing. They also have like a... Uh, a new signing that could be interesting in a, fa- in a fantasy sense, and that's Vargas, Ruben Vargas for eight million. He's a midfielder, and like he's one of these guys, a winger likes to cut in from the left side and shoots with his uh, strong right foot. Uh, I think that can actually be helpful. Uh, in a fantasy sense but he didn't play uh, in the cup so that's that's one to monitor but uh, I won't have any Augsburg players in my lineup I mean Mats Pedersen uh, he played left back in the cup because Philip Max was out uh, 5 million he might be a budget option to go 
but not on the first match day because I think Dortmund is impressing and I think they they beat Augsburg probably quite handily. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that. I would say err on the side of caution with Augsburg and let's say if one of them does emerge as a fantasy powerhouse, which they do have, you've kind of alluded to a few players there that have the potential to. And let's be honest, if Gregorich can hit his form from not last season, but the season before at 11 million, he could be an absolute bargain actually, but that's a big if. And so I would completely agree with you, Flo. Let's move on to the next fixture then. Leverkusen against Paderborn, a big one, because I'm sure every fantasy manager out there, Flo, is looking at that with greedy eyes going, oh, this is going to be great for Leverkusen, under Peter Bosch. They love to get forward up against newly promoted Paderborn, who, let's be honest, are a surprise package in the fact that they're just in the Bundesliga this season. They're licking their lips at the prospect of this, aren't they? Yeah, and probably rightfully so in a fantasy sense. I just got the funny feeling that like, I, it wouldn't shock me if Paderborn actually would run away with at least a point because I saw stretches of the uh, cup match of Leverkusen and I mean they were lucky at one point that Aachen wasn't um, uh, couldn't make it uh, to all like with 20 minutes to go they're just so easy to hit on the counter that's like was is the trademark of of Peter Bosch. They had a very bad preseason, and already you're hearing the complaints that they're not practicing enough and that they might physically not be at the top notch of all Bundesliga squads. So I think they will go forward. There will be a lot of shots, but I think Paderborn has a sneaky chance to at least score a few goals. Uh, if they actually get a point or two, uh, two probably not, but a point or three uh, out of that game, who knows? But uh, I, I wouldn't shy away from Paderborn players for that fixture, especially not midfielders or yeah strikers. Now, nah. yeah, can't. But it, I mean, it, like, it's it's also fair to say that okay, even if your prediction does come true, right? And Paderborn do walk away with a share of the spoils. Chances are the Leverkusen players are still going to be able to pick up big points in this game, right? Yeah, totally true. And that's why I'm not like, I, I want Leverkusen players in that game. Definitely. Okay. Who, who in particular? Well, Kai Havertz, 16 million. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely a lock in my team. Also Wendell for 10 million, who has the upper hand right now over Sinkgraven. And I think for 10 million, he's a great value in a system that's very attacking minded. Kevin Folland, 14 million, also interesting as a striker. And Nadim Amiri for 11 million, I will have my eyes on. Mm. Um, but I tell you who I'm not going to to buy and that's Karim Demirbay. Yeah, I got. I was getting that impression from what you were saying. Yeah, do go on, do explain. Yeah, 14 million, which would be more than appropriate to eat prized if he will play that role that he played at at Hoffenheim but he's he's basically playing as a number six um for Leverkusen and I just think he can't have that attacking returns he had in in Hoffenheim he won't get as many shots on goal as he had there just because he's not that and he's not playing in that forward role like the difference two million between Harvards and Demir Bay makes it very easy for me. 
and like if they're new listeners and I, I usually don't double up in one part of my squad from a club so i usually don't sign two leverkusen players two leverkusen midfielders yeah. it's just because it 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 hurts my flexibility and you you're putting too many eggs in a basket in one basket for my taste there are exceptions to the rule i have to say it, it, it worked okay with santa and royce yeah. at times last season no, like i said <laughs> there's there's an exception to that rule and uh santa and royce might very well be worse uh, signing balls but with leverkusen it's harvards for me and then i'll have my eye on amiri and uh watch his development because for 11 million and he's playing in a more attacking role than Demir Bay. the question with Amiri is more if he can hold on to his uh, first team's place because they also got Diaby now Leverkusen he didn't play uh, as a starter in the cup they've got a lot of players who can play in the attacking parts of the pitch. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they have a plethora of options and even someone like Leon Bailey at 13 million as a forward could actually be attractive again if he can kind of tap into the form that we saw from him under Bosch in the second half of last season. And if, if Bosch can unlock even more from Bailey, then Bailey could be huge in the coming campaign potentially. But I, I you know what? I completely agree with your assessment on Demibai. I, it's almost sad to say that I don't see him as an attractive fantasy option because when I when he signed for Leverkusen I was like oh yes the heavens have opened all my prayers have been answered this is going to be great he's going to free kick set pieces and which he still does he will still take every corner and most free kicks but flows right in preseason he's been a lot further back uh, in the build-up play and that's not really where we want to see him as fantasy players okay let's move on to the next fixture then because you've kind of touched on Paderborn and said don't well, actually, no. Is there anyone in particular from Paderborn that's worth mentioning? You said don't shy away from them. Yeah. But are there any names that you, you want to throw out there, Flo? Maybe Coley Oliveira Sousa. He used to play for Duisburg last season, relegated from the second division. But now it seems like he's going to start for Paderborn. Five million midfielder, attacking midfielder. I think he could be one of the guys who benefit from a quite open game. And if we look at defense, is Laurent Jans, 5 million right back of Paderborn. He he would be like, I, I can see, like you can swap him if they got really thrashed by Leverkusen, but uh, he also can go forward. And same goes true for Uwe Hünemeyer. He's a goal-scoring threat, not only with his head after set pieces, but he also takes free kicks. He scored a direct free kick goal uh, today in the cup he's also just 5 million so that would be the place I would look to with Palermo no very much so uh, one thing we didn't mention with Leverkusen is the fact that they've got a very favourable fixture list at the start of the season yes. first five games they're of course at home to Paderborn then they're away to Dusseldorf at home to Hoffenheim uh, away to Dortmund that's the tricky one on match day four uh, and then they are at home to Union Berlin so yeah they've definitely got a favourable fixture list but another team moving on to the next fixture that has the same is Wolfsburg. They're at home to Cologne on the opening match date. Then they're away to Hertha Berlin, at home to Paderborn, away to Dusseldorf, and then at home to Hoffenheim. They are up against Cologne on the first match date, as I've mentioned, and Cologne are seen by many as a potential surprise package this season, Flo. But when it comes to this fixture and these two teams, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, 
at first I, I agree that Cologne has potential. I think, uh, and the new coach Achim Bayerlotz, uh, everything you hear so far is very, very positive. I think Cologne can surprise. They actually had to work very hard to get in the second cup round they they went through on penalties but to be fair they played at Wiesbaden they're in the second division they got promoted from third tier to the second division and it was their third game they, uh, the second division already has two match days in the books so it, it was a hard fixture for Cologne. They did that. I'm feeling agnostic about that match. So I don't really have a feeling. That's also because there's also a new coach at Wolfsburg. So it's, it's hard to really know what you're going to expect. So I'm evaluating the players a bit of what I've seen from them in the past. Definitely Wolfsburg uh, with the nice fixtures you, you mentioned, hours, consideration, and like a player like Jerome Roussillon, who's 12 million, I think has a very good shot at being at my team. They've got a lot of competition on the uh, attacking wings, and that's probably why I will shy away from picking Breco, Leroux, or Stefan, or Victor, because like, they mix and matched uh, in preseason, Schlager, uh, a new guy from Austria for 10 million midfielder, might also be interesting. And then you've got the Wout, the Wout. up front for 13 million. <laughs> yeah. Wout yeah. Weghorst, 13 million. These are the players who are in consideration, but I probably have Roussillon and no other Wolfsburg players because, like I already mentioned, the uncertainty with a new coach. Yeah, if if we may look quickly on the other side of, of the pitch, because I'm on a, on a roll now, James. Go for it. Yeah, I think you've got Florian Kainz for six million, who's a great, one of the best values, I think, in, in the fantasy game. I would pick him over Kingsley Schindler, who's seven million, just because of the one million difference. And I think Kainz did enough. Like he played 120 minutes today and I think uh, Schindler was substituted and Kainz scored and uh, gave an assist. And a, a defender also named King Kingsley is Kingsley Ihizibue, uh, the new right back. Today I wasn't impressed by him in the cup but in preseason I think he looked sharp for 7 million. Uh, he's also a guy he's, he's definitely on my radar. Like the good thing with uh, Ihizibue he doesn't have competition. Like there's no second right back in Cologne who has anywhere near Bundesliga level of playing, in my opinion. Uh, you know what? You know, when it comes to Cologne, just like with Werder Bremen, I'm going to trust your judgment because uh, you know them inside and out. So I, I would definitely agree with you. Yeah, I would say the only thing I'd add, Wolfsburg, I had the pleasure of commentating their preseason friendly against PSV Eindhoven this summer. And PSV Eindhoven were actually gearing up for their first Champions League qualifier at the time against Basel. And I thought would be much further along in their preseason preparations. I thought they would actually have an easy time of it against a Wolfsburg side who were getting used to a new system, a new coach. And Wolfsburg, in the first half especially, before they started making too many changes in the second half, were incredibly impressive in their 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 sometimes formation. They also look very lively and the fact that they've pushed the wing-backs forward, so Roussillon and or Mbabu or William, 
I, that's very exciting for me in a fantasy sense because Roussillon was great from left-back last season. So imagine him at left wing-back. And you could maybe make the same argument for William because his main drawback, William, was the fact that he would make silly mistakes at the back that would prove costly to Wolfsburg. And at right wing back, he should be a little more protected, which is good for both him and for Wolfsburg. So I'm I'm quite excited about Wolfsburg. And I actually feel strange about the fact that I am, because I thought they'd be top candidates to kind of drop off this season. But I, I do think they could actually do big things. And I think in the fantasy sense, I think they've got a couple of very, very good options that especially with those first five fixtures could get people off to a very, very good start. Let's move on, though, to the next game. And that's Bremen against Dusseldorf. Your boys, Flo, so I will hand it straight over to you. But they also have a relatively good start to the season in terms of their fixture list. The home game against Leipzig on match day five is, of course, like the big outlier. Well, but it's at home. That's a, Yeah, but it's at home. That's the, exactly the point. Yeah, we haven't lost to Leipzig at home. Oh, so see, there you go. It's like, I, I, I feel good, like, with the match against Dusseldorf. Then it's at Hoffenheim. They, they are an unknown commodity. They looked sharp for 65 minutes and then it felt like they were not like physically not able to play 90 minutes because uh, the drop off was huge and they went through quite luckily uh, needed extra time. Or that on, on penalties, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Actually, I think they went through penalties, but it doesn't really matter in, in a fantasy sense. I just think we're not sure what to expect. Also a new coach. Then at home against Augsburg, then traveling to Union Berlin, and then it's the Leipzig game. And so I think it could be a hot start, which is necessary because then it's like Leipzig, Bayern, uh, not Bayern, I think it's later, but Leipzig and, and uh, Dortmund in, in quick succession. But yeah, in a fantasy sense, nothing really has changed. I mean, we've got Milot Rashica, who's just the best player of the Bundesliga. Uh, 12 million he's now a striker which is of course sad but still he's a lock to be my t my team in midfield i think david Klassen can take a big step forward this season we already saw it he scored in the cup and i'm not sure if he's going to make my squad because i usually go either high price top guys and i i don't see Klassen on that level I, he's not on a Harvard or so Royce level or I go really cheap because then I will be able to afford them like this middle ground players uh, I have to be really convinced that he can perform much better than a guy that just cost me six or seven million I'm not a hundred percent sure with Klassen but with his fixture list in the back uh, he's worth con consideration and one player that's the house of Augustinson is something you should monitor next week because if he's out, Marco Friedel will play at left back and he's six million. So he would be instantly very interesting in a fantasy sense. And the biggest winner of preseason is Yuya Ozako. Who, he's playing now in the, in the cruiser role and is doing that very well. He's a striker for nine million, but like I have a Bremen striker and that's Milot Rashica. So I'm not putting Ozako in my squad but if for some reason you doubt the quality of Milot Rashica you could definitely do worse than going with Ozako 
Uh, you know what? Yes, Rashica is. It's the, it's. I, I don't. I, I don't even know where you're throwing out Osaka, really, because let's be honest. But that's not a strong recommendation, I, I really. Because when it's Rashica is there for twelve million, I just don't think you can get past him. Yeah, I agree. And if at that point, if you genuinely have a budget option, I would highly recommend getting rid of three million from somewhere else and putting it into Rashica over Osaka. If that's really what your decision making has come down to, because yeah, I think I think he has he has the propensity even even as a forward to take off next season. And so he's certainly very high on the list of potential, you know, irreplaceables uh, at the start of the season. You didn't really talk about Dusseldorf there, but that's okay. Everyone was expecting them to struggle with second season syndrome. Are you kind of in the same camp? Because, I mean, you, they've got a couple of options out there. You know, you can't eye hands your David Kovnatskis that look good at times last season when Dusseldorf were playing well. The question is whether they can maintain the performance and therefore will the fantasy points follow the same way, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I think there will be trouble and we have to see how they like. They've got a lot of change in the attacking parts of their squad. I think it would be too too risky for me to choose which players now will play. I mean, Ampoma, uh, the new signing, uh, got injured and that might muddy the water even more. But one guy to point out, I think, is Aymane Barkok, 5 million. He's on loan from Frankfurt, uh, has been at Düsseldorf also last season. It seems like he has a starting role or could start as a number 10 and that could be quite valuable for a player who's just cost you five million. And I mean, then he will be uh, facing off with Nuri Shine, and I'm <laughs> I'm actually convinced that Baku can win that battle. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're really sticking your neck out too far there. <laughs> a sprightly youngster against Nuri Shaheen, he's got a lot of qualities to his game, but keeping up with a fast and nifty creative ten wouldn't necessarily be one of them. So I'd agree with you there. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just I think with Dusseldorf, it's a lot like some of the other teams that we've already talked about. It's almost like waiting to see where the cards fall this season and kind of spot the trends as early as possible as to where you know where their trajectory is going to go because even someone like Jean Simmer if I'm not mistaken he's 8 million in the game and I was thinking right if he comes back as a starting right back we saw what he was capable of last season he could be an interesting option but they are so much of an unknown quantity Dusseldorf that they do there's an element of trepidation when it comes to going and delving into that market. One thing to add, and if we rattle off the fixtures, starting at Bremen, then it's Leverkusen at home, at Frankfurt, at home against Wolfsburg, and then at Mönchengladbach. I mean, there are definitely greater fixtures to start your season, especially if you might struggle. I mean, the, the fixture at Bremen is probably the best out out of these <laughs> yeah. in a fantasy sense because Bremen is susceptible to concede and score and that's good in a fantasy sense and sometimes drives you mad as a supporter but <laughs> that's how just how we roll. <laughs> that's just the Bremen way of life, <laughs> indeed. No, you're right. I mean, five teams that are vying for European qualification to start the season is definitely no easy feat for Dusseldorf. Uh, let's talk about two teams that will likely be a little further down the standings uh, in terms of how to, to judge them pre-season it's been pretty difficult with Freiburg and with Mainz Freiburg had a tough run of it in the Cups Mainz got knocked out by Kaiserslautern though there's another discussion to be had there they face each other on match day one Flo but 
I'm looking at the two teams and trying to figure out which is the more attractive prospect. And I think based on their fixture list, Mainz at home, Paderborn away, Cologne at home, Hoffenheim away and Augsburg at home, Freiburg for me, edge it over Mainz, who in their first five games uh, after play- facing Freiburg, they go up against Gladbach, Bayern, Hertha and Schalke. Yeah, at least Gladbach and like also Gladbach wouldn't be like Mainz first two match days are okay in my mind they play at Freiburg and then they're playing at home against Gladbach I think we we have to see what Gladbach does under a new regime but they like to lose at Mainz if I remember that correctly and then they're playing at Munich so at the third match day I don't want any Mainz players but if for some reason the value falls that way that I like there's a Mainz player I can make my squad work with then I wouldn't shy away for the first two match days but I agree Freiburg much more superior fixtures and also have great options to go by and probably one of my favorite defenders at least for like in my mind in preseason is uh, Jonathan Schmid who used to play as a defender but was a midfielder in, in the game but now he's actually a defender in the game and he's playing the right back position for Freiburg he costs you 9 million which is on the cheap side for a player who also does set piece duties and is known for scoring goals that way so yeah that's that's my main focus on Freiburg uh, Roland Schalai also is interesting. The Hungarian, 6 million, plays on the left wing. Had a lot of health issues last season. Was injured a lot. That's probably something I'll, uh, somebody I'll wait and see if he actually holds on to his starting job. And if you want to punt up front, Brandon Borello is your guy for 3 million. He's playing on the right wing. Unfortunately, he's a striker in the game. So uh, otherwise, he will be a hot, hot uh, candidate to go into my team for three million. No, no words for Luca Waldschmidt. No. You know, seven goal, well, almost hero during the summer for the under twenty ones, uh, as Germany finished runners up at the European Championships, and he scored yesterday as well in the cup. Admittedly, it was in extra time after they had been held to a nil nil draw, but. He's not he's not someone that's caught your eye and and would entice you. I think at eleven million. I, I just think he's a bit too pricey. I, I think he can have a great campaign and he actually can have a good start to the season. I just don't think I'll, I'll go there personally. He's too close to a guy like Paco Alcasa or somebody I'm more confident will uh, score a lot of goals. So. He's not really on my radar. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting because I actually had him for my for the first draft of my squad. I had him in there because I do think he'll have a good season. But I kind of talked myself out of it because I found strikers that I was happier with that were actually cheaper. And so he's kind. You're kind of right. He's too close to the premium, and he's not enough of a budget option that he falls in that middle ground where you're almost avoiding at the start of the season because you need to pick low or high. Yeah. I, yeah, that's exactly my point. And I've got like, I've basically got Lewandowski and Rashica locked down in my squad. And there's only one. And, and Brandon Borello. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like the, the third striker is pretty much up in the air right now. Like in, in my first draw, I've got Kutuchu there, but he won't make the cut. It was just to make, like, to seal the deal and make it work. I didn't have had much more budget but we'll see who the third guy is but it's probably not going to be Luca Waldschmidt although like you you taught me a bit 
into him now with like the the first uh, fixture of the season against mines and all the other stuff but no <laughs> so I, I talked you into it but no okay <laughs> no i like that it's it's there are arguments to be made with val schmidt but i think we saw from him last season there was ele- there was certainly an element of him being a bit patchy and there was also the problem he wasn't always the, the you know the final man in the in the final third and especially with Peterson back fit he may have to play a bit of a different role again so uh, he's an interesting player he's on my radar or my watch list whichever way you want to call it but i think yeah i talked myself out of having him in for match day 1 and one of the players you mentioned because he's your third striker is Katucho so let's let's move on to the next fixture it's the saturday evening fixture gladbach against schalke one of those that's kind of up in the air because you've talked about Gladbach they've bought in Marco Rosa it's a new philosophy it's a new style of play they're trying to build on the foundations that Hecking put in place but it's still a work in progress Schalke same thing David Wagner's come in. He's trying to just improve them in any way, shape or form. Now, they won 5-0 in the cup, but were they that impressive against Drochtus and Assel? No, they weren't. Were there some things that we could maybe take from that game? I think there are. But for, for me, I'm looking at Gladbach and Schalke and thinking that they they have some good young options that could be could be capitalised on. Katuchu is top of that list. Is there anyone else that you see from either side that's really catching your interest flow yeah we have to see what Michael Cousins for six million if he is a replacement for Jonas Hofmann who went down in the cup and will miss a few games Cousins for six million very interesting had a great preseason and might be a starter and then he's one of the best values out there I think uh, for his price tag and I'm also I'm always a Zakaria a great Zakaria a guy Nine million. I'm just waiting for the uh, explosion. Not sure if it's ever going to come, but he's definitely, as always, on my radar. And then uh, Lina, the new right back of Gladbach, I'm actually intrigued by for 10 million. I think he has a lot of juice going forward. Stefan Leiner so he's definitely on my radar because uh, he's cheap enough with 10 million and same goes true for Marcus Turam 11 million a new striker actually played most of the time played as a left winger in France but now seems to be playing in a central role I mean he's a big guy he can do that physically I just think that it needs some adapting and I, I saw a stat I think by What's the Opta France of France been called? Opta Jean, I think. Yeah, Opta Jean. Yeah, Jean. 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 Yeah. yeah, I think he he had like Marcus Trump had the most successful dribbles last season in France, if I remember that correctly. Which at least gives you a baseline if he does that in the Bundesliga, because then I think he'll he's one of the strikers that can win a lot of challenges. If like all I've read on him materializes in the in the way I imagine it could. So these are the, the, the Gladbach guys. And Schalke I will monitor for the first two match days because after the trip to München Gladbach they, they're playing Munich at home. So it's hands off for me regarding Schalke. But then it's getting nicer with a home game against Berlin away at Paderborn and then a home game against Mainz. So like if I'm planning my squad, I'm planning on buying Schalke players at the latest uh, for the fourth match day 
And uh, until then, uh, I will give myself time to evaluate what's going to happen uh, under David Wagner. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And with Gladbach, I mean, having seen them in the cup and in preseason and then seen Schalke, I think Gladbach should be the favourites and will be considered the favourites for this game. But I don't think I would venture to have more than one Gladbach player in my squad for match day one. And I, yeah, with Schalke, I completely agree with you. After last season, I don't trust them at all. So they've got to earn my trust back before I even think about bringing any of their players in. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday fixtures. Then we've got two left to go. Frankfurt against Hoffenheim is the first one. And this is a, we've talked about about Hoffenheim being an unknown quantity the same could maybe be said of Frankfurt given the fact that they have of course lost Luka Jovic and Sebastian Allaire in the summer transfer window so big changes for them up front but the rest of the team has really kind of remained intact and they've even managed to make permanent signings of their loan signing Sebastian Roder, Martin Hinterego, Kevin Trapp and of course Philip Kostic as well so there's been good moves and and things that have kind of hampered them with Hoffenheim they've lost some big players but the biggest loss was, of course, Julian Nagelsmann. We don't really know what to expect under Alfred Schroeder. And, I mean, they haven't exactly been convincing in preseason, I think it's fair to say. So where are you falling when it comes to Frankfurt and Hoffenheim flow? I probably won't have any Hoffenheim player. Just I wasn't totally convinced by the cup. And I think like the cup squad can now change because like, everyone who did play didn't make... like. A, Except for Ilas Bibu, who actually had a, had a good game. So I think there's going to be some uncertainty that I don't want for the first match day. And I'm not convinced that Hoffenheim will have a good game at Frankfurt. Because, I mean, Frankfurt, uh, they're playing in the Europa League on Thursday. But they won the first leg, I think, by 4-0, if I'm correct, away. So I, I can't imagine that very many starters of the Sunday game will have to play also on, on Thursday. So I, I basically take that out of my consideration with the, the Frankfurt players. And then I would rather have Paciencia or I think he's 9 million or Kamara for 6 million than, than going any Hoffenheim player. Although I have to say that the Grifo for 11 million and Geiger for 7 million, both are midfielders for Hoffenheim, definitely are on my radar for the future but uh, let's see how the the first team looks from Hoffenheim two or three weeks from now and then we decide on which players are the the ones you want to sign yeah no I think that's a a fair thing to say how they shape up under Schroeder is ultimately going to be quite determining in terms of where we dip into their squad for the fantasy game. And, and Frankfurt's the same. I mean, they're a bit up in the air, but there are some people that you can almost rely on. And I, I mean, I'll throw another name out there because I believe, I think my gut feeling tells me that Kacinovic is going to start on match day one in the 10. And I actually think at 9 million in the fantasy game, he could be a very interesting option if he does indeed fill that role and kind of lock it down as a starter. I would imagine behind Rebic and Paciencia. Uh, you talked about Katucha being your third striker. Paciencia is mine because, I mean, we saw his goal scoring qualities last season. And even if Frankfurt maybe don't hit the same heights in terms of their performance as last season, I think Paciencia is the type of guy that's going to get goals no matter what especially with the service that he's going to get from the likes of Kostic, Rebic and DaCosta and people like that so I, I think Frankfurt people are being quite cautious about 
and I'm being cautious too, but Paciencia looks very attractive at 9 million as a striker and someone that can kind of step in to fill the gap left by Jovic and Alaire's department. Should we talk about the final game flow then or is there anyone or anything else you want to add to that one? No, uh, I think we, we covered that. Okay, good. Nicely. Then last, last game is a tricky one and we were talking about this before we started recording, but it's Union Berlin against Leipzig. Of course, Union Berlin newly promoted after winning the playoff against Stuttgart. Leipzig under Julian Nagelsmann and looking to maybe make a title push or at least challenge this season. It's not a nice last fixture for us to deal with, is it, Flo? No, not at all. I mean, I wouldn't mind Leipzig, but they are on the club of the uh, all these clubs we mentioned now where there's a lot of uncertainty because I think we've got seven new coaches going into the season. And if I'm able to do it, I avoid clubs where don't have a clear enough picture of what is going to happen. And I definitely don't have a clear picture of what is going to happen at Leipzig. And Union, I mean, they have a, a lot of interesting players budget-wise. Uh, the problem with them is I don't want them as my last players of a match day uh, going up against Leipzig. So that's something I have to figure out that, that week because uh, Christopher Lenz seems to be the left back for Union and won the duel against Ken Reichel, who was already a bargain at 5 million, but Christopher Lenz can, can do 3 million less. He's 2 million. And yeah, I'm very tempted to get him in my squad anyway. Uh, although it's the last uh, game of the match shaper, that would make so much more possible in the rest of my squad that I actually think about doing that. They've got a bit budget striker with Marius Bülter. He's playing on the left wing, 5 million. Also a physical big guy, so that can help him uh, challenge-wise and, and giving you some something extra uh, in that department. And yeah, Grisha Prömel. Midfielder, 6 million. So they're interesting options uh, at Union. I just, I'm not sure how how comfortable I would feel on the first match day. And if we look at the other side of the ball, I mean, Nkunku uh, did play in the cup. He's 10 million, played as a in an attacking role in midfield. So Christopher Nkunku might actually be an intriguing choice, but who knows what Snagelsmann is going to do because uh, he likes to scheme against a certain opposition and maybe the the plan at Osnabrück is not the same plan as they'll have heading into uh, Ber- Berlin on Sunday. So, yeah, it's like, it's probably, if I could choose one match not to be the last match of the, the match day, it would be Union Berlin versus <laughs> yeah. Leipzig. But unfortunately, I don't have these powers yet yeah you've got all this influence in the fantasy game but none on the Bundesliga fixture list it's it's yeah it's disappointing float to be honest (laughs) very sad indeed I completely agree with you this is a tricky fixture and the thing is I mean to to go bigger picture with Union Berlin I think the problem is their best qualities definitely lie in defense which isn't great for this fantasy game because the points all lie in attack now with Leipzig 
they are this unknown quantity as Flo talks about. But the, the thing with both of these teams is that neither of them really have attractive fixtures at the start of the season. I mean, Union Berlin are facing Leipzig on the opening day and then they've got Augsburg away and then they've got three European contenders in Dortmund at home and then Bremen and Leverkusen away from home. Leipzig kick off the season at Union and then they've got four, you know, arguably top six competitors as well in Frankfurt at home, Gladbach away, Bayern at home, and then Werder Bremen away. So I think with both of them, I'm. it's not just the fact that this is an unattractive Sunday last fixture. It's the fact that I'm not sure I'm convinced either of them are really going to bring me big points at the start of the season. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't actually see Leipzig having a field day at Union because they're a tough, a tough opponent to play. It will be their first match in the Bundesliga, although we heard now that that probably will not be the usual atmosphere because the Union supporters will have a protest because of the because uh, of the opponent, because of the way Abby Leipzig is as a club. Who knows if that's having an influence on the match, how it shapes out. But I'm very unenthusiastic for that match. So yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd much prefer I'd much prefer they make an outstanding atmosphere and prove their point that way. But I am not the person that gets to make these these decisions. No, I mean it's 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 just a tricky tricky last fixture. Uh, it really is, and so I think we're both kind of we're definitely Flo and I telling you to beware of of dipping into that market this weekend especially okay we've gone through the fixture list then shall we close out the show with these uh, you know top threes that we talked about early one player per position three categories low budget options hidden gems and must-haves that hopefully kind of covers each price range category to the best of our ability we will start with the low budget options because they are sometimes the most important at the start of the season so Flo who have you got down for your three low budget options yeah i'm going striker midfielder defender and that uh, order and i start out with like when i'm not going to elaborate uh, very much because we talked of all the uh, about all these players um striker would be brandon borello for me three million midfielder florian kynes six million and defender christopher lenz for two million uh, of Union Berlin, kinds of Cologne, Borello of Freiburg, if like you forgot, uh, which I could understand because we uh, were talking a lot in the <laughs> yeah. last uh, hour or so. But this is what happens. <laughs> these would be my top budget options on each position. Yeah, we did, we decided to go through the fixture list and it has taken us a bit longer than I think either of us anticipated. But in fairness, this is what the start of the season is all about, especially in the fantasy game, which, when yeah. we know all of you out there are going through every option under the sun as well, kind of like us and trying to figure out the best ways to go about it. So we didn't mind going a bit longer this time. And those are ultimately three very good low budget options, as Flo's explained. I'll rattle off mine as well. I'm going Joshua Sargent at 4 million for Werder Bremen as my striker. I've got Mikko Cuisson as my midfielder at 6 million for Gladbach and I've got a second Bremen player here uh, and that's Irma Toprak we didn't mention him but he's just signed for Bremen uh, and I think he could be a big influence and okay he's not in terms of a fantasy player he's not the biggest scorer as a defender but at 6 million he could be a valuable budget option if you need to save a few pennies here and there uh, how about your hidden gems then Flo yeah I, I saw hidden gems what I mean by that or but like I, my my choices are players that 
I can imagine being on the top shelf next season uh, in a fantasy sense. So that's how I define them. That's Markus Thuram for 11 million, striker of Mönchengladbach. Christopher Nkunku, 10 million, midfielder of RB Leipzig. And then it's Jonathan Schmidt, 9 million, defender of Freiburg. Because I actually think he can be a very, very good fantasy player now that he is actually a defender in the game. Yeah, no, I like all of them. And in fairness, I think all of them do have the potential to also make a big impact this season. So I wouldn't necessarily just talk about being on the top shelf next season. But I mean, I interpreted more as people or players that people necessarily wouldn't have had near the top of their list, but I think could be. And ultimately, they're not in the premium price range either. Well, um, I, I, what I want to say, if they are on the top shelf next season, it definitely means that they had a very, very good season. That's true, actually. Yeah, it kind of goes with that. So, <laughs> that's that's what I wanted to say. So good that you clarify that, James. Oh no, I appreciate. Of course, I, that's, I appreciate my I, I misunderstanding mean, needing that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll rattle that off quickly again. Uh, Patsy is my striker at nine million for Frankfurt because I do think big things are expected. Emil Forsberg. We talked about the detraction from Leipzig, but under Nagelsmann, if he can stay fit, I have a feeling Emil Forsberg could be back to the Emil Forsberg of old. He's 12 million in the game, but most importantly with him, the change has been made. He's no longer a forward. He's a midfielder, which definitely makes him more attractive if he's going to be a regular starter for Leipzig under Nagelsmann. And then my third, the defender would be Vendel at 10 million, because I think Leverkusen have great fixtures and he's one worth considering. Three must-haves then, Flo? Yeah, Who are your must-haves in each position? I'll make it quick. It's Milot Rashica, of course, for 12, 12 million. Price tech considered. He will be my number one striker, even over Lewandowski, because he's 6 million cheaper. And I think he can... Like, he's ready to at least score 15 to 20 goals this season. I'm, I'm convinced that he can do that. Kai Havertz, 16 million. Uh, I can't see a way that he's not in my squad for the first match day. He's just such a great player and if you add the bonus of Leverkusen having a great start to the season fixture wise he's a lock for me and the same goes true for Jerome Rossignon he's playing in a more attacking role than last season when he already was one of the best defenders in, in the game 12 million so a nice discount from the absolute top guys price wise these are my three guys that there has to be an injury for them not making my squad okay i'll be honest i've tried to pick different players from flow this whole time and i think like i can do it with with two of these players but i because i'm i admitted earlier in the show that i'm still on the fence about Lewandowski. i can't make him a must-have and if i'm honest i can't get past milot rashica to pick anyone else as a must-have because I just don't believe in them the same way I do Milot Rashica. I think he is the perfect blend of everything you want as a fantasy owner right now in terms of... It's a bit like I remember talking about Torgan Hazard this way at the start of last season and talking about how selfish he was and the fact that I knew he'd dribble past players and win challenges, but I also knew he'd get shots on goal and be involved in so many things in the final third. That is exactly how I feel about Rashica, so I can't not pick him. And then to be boring... 
because Flo did pick basically all three players I wanted in this category, I'm just going to go with Sancho and Kimmich for the midfielder and defender options because I think it does kind of go without saying, but there's also a reason it goes without saying, and that is because they are must-haves in this game. And so, yes, Sancho and Kimmich will be my other two picks. So you're actually going Sancho over Royce then? I am still, yes, going Sancho over Royce right now. Yeah. Funnily enough, that's not one of the ones... Well, no, it is. That's definitely going to be a late decision as well. I had said that earlier in the show. But right now, I'm definitely erring on the side of Sancho. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I took the easy way out with just going for Harvard's and not having to choose one of the B4B guys. Because <laughs> yeah. I think it's very hard to make an argument that the one is better than the other, maybe... Because Michael Royce is. Do you do you want to know? Do you want to know the main thing that swings it for Sancho is Royce's injury history? Yeah, although I'm not like I'm not that concerned because you have three transfers, uh, three uh, weekly transfers. I'm not factoring that in. Oh, okay. Well, then so, actually, uh, I should have I should have brought this up in my. If I pick them yeah. for the for the whole season, uh, yeah, then I agree. But like as soon as Royce get injured, you just. You just sell him and no harm done. No, that that is true. I'm I'm just I, I should probably should have mentioned this earlier in the show, but part of my thinking this season is definitely to pick maybe at least ten players that are almost fixed as long as 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 you know, providing injuries don't happen, but try and pick ten players and, and really limit myself to only rotating four or five players with my three transfers every weekend. It's just an, an idea that I've thought of. Whether it would work or not, I have no idea and I'm going to find out an experiment for you to find out. But I, I just wondered whether that was a valuable strategy because I think the trap I fell into too often last season was changing players that I should have just left no matter whether they had a good week or not and stuck with them and kept them in my squad instead of constantly looking to to pick and choose the the big winners from the weekend. Yeah. I'm still going to try and do that with my transfers, of course. I just want to limit the pool of players that I'm picking from to take out for those transfers. Yeah, I, I agree with you. In theory, that might be a good idea. I just think before the season even started, it's impossible to know which players are the ones that you won't want to take out of your squad. I think you have to stay flexible and like after six, seven games, I think there's a lot of merit not selling. Like if you have an asset like Kai Havertz, they're playing at Munich. It can be wise not to sell him for that game because like next week you would want to buy him back, but maybe other stuff happens. And like I had this problem with Joshua Kimmich. I, I, um, I sold him last season and then I like for stretches like three four match days I wasn't able to get him back in my squad and that did really hurt me mm. and that's definitely something that can happen so I agree with you in theory that if you've got a player that is performing uh, very good and you would want him back in your squad after one match day maybe it's better not to sell him because you just like if you pre-plan too many transfers that that can always go wrong because stuff happens all the time injuries suspensions or lack of form 
Um, so no, I mean yeah. you're you're exactly right. I think you're you're on a, on a good path there. I just think it's it's hard to say. It, now you uh, put your team together and you say these two t ten guys, I st stick with them uh, until winter break. So be flexible. Um, in your evaluation of a player, yeah, valuable information. That is, no, you're you're right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, imagine Joshua Kimmich is not playing right back anymore for for Munich and is playing as a holding midfielder. So, and, and then we have to see: is he as valuable as he is as a right back as a midfielder? Probably not. Yep. And then you have to re-evaluate re if Kimmich is worth the price tag. So. Oh, like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to re-evaluate. I just, I'd love to yeah, come yeah, into... I, I, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I, yeah, ju no, I, I, I just want to make clear, don't, don't have uh, too much of a narrow opinion uh, of which players you can rely on and, and which you don't. Because that will change from season to season and that will change in season. And I think the faster you adapt... To these trends, uh, the better you'll do. So be be the first jump on to trains like the Rashica train that went off last season. Yeah, if you'd listen um, to flow, if you'd so, listen to flow, match day yeah. one, I tell you. <laughs> oh, that that was like so so good of me just to <laughs> to, to make me clap on the shoulder without uh, without it being uh, it seems. It seemed humble, but yeah, you, you know what I wanted to say with that. Mate, it, it went it went perfectly. Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't have done it better. Yeah. It was it was an incredible start to the season. Yeah. And I can't believe I didn't follow your advice. I was I was very upset with myself. But you're right. You, this is this is 2019 after all, Flo. This is not about narrow mindedness. We're all about openness and inclusivity uh, and all that type of stuff. So yeah, don't necessarily close yourself off to any options in this fantasy game. But I think I'd like to think that tonight. In this long episode, we've given you at least a few players to consider uh, and to mull over and, and maybe that weren't on your radar before you started listening to this episode. And ultimately, if we've done that, then we've achieved our job tonight. We hope you have had fun listening, but that will bring us to an end of this week's Talking Foosball Fantasy episode. We will be trying to get into a regular schedule this season, but we cannot promise that with work commitments and whatnot. Uh, we are on the freelance grind after all, Flo and I. Um, but don't forget to follow us at Talking Foosball on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook. And if you haven't yet, join the Talking Foosball Fantasy League. You should be automatically included if you were in it last season. We look forward to seeing you again. If you were there last season, we look forward to seeing you for the first time if you're in it uh, this season. Uh, for now, from me, your host, James Thorogood, Flo, and the rest of the Talking Foosball crew, Alfie Hearn. Cheers.